Greetings to all of you ladies and gentlemen. A beautiful story waiting for you. It's uh, selected from the very famous Shastri writer. His name is Gede Mopasa. The name of the story, The False Gems. I hope you'll enjoy the story. Monsieur Lanton had met the young woman at the sorry at the home of the assistant chief office bearer at the first sight had fallen in love with her. She was the daughter of a country physician who had died some months previously. She had come to live in Paris with her mother who visited much among her acquaintances in the hope of making a favorable marriage for her daughter. They were poor and honest, quite and unaffected. The young girl was a perfect type of a virtuous woman whom every sensible young man dreams of one day winning for a wife. Her simple beauty had the charm of an angelic modesty and the imperceptible smile which constantly hovered about her lips seemed to be the reflection of a pure and lovely soul. Her praises resounded on every side. People were never tired of saying, happy the man who wins her love. He could not find a better wife. Now, Monsieur Lanton enjoyed a snug little income of $700, and thinking he could safely assume the responsibilities of matrimony, proposed to this model young girl and was accepted. He was unspeakably happy with her. She governed his household so cleverly and economically that they seemed to live in luxury. She loves the most delicate attentions of her husband, coaxed and fondled him, and the charm of her presence was so great that six years after the marriage, Monsieur Lanton discovered that he loved his wife even more than during the first days of their honeymoon. He only felt inclined to blame her for two things, her love of the theater and the taste for false jewelry. Her friend, she was acquainted with some officers was frequently procured for her a box at theatre, often for the first representations of new plays, and her husband was obliged to accompany her, whether he willed or not, to these amusements, though they bored him excessively after a day's labor at the office. After a time, Monsieur Lanton begged his wife to get some lady for her acquaintance to accompany her, she was at first opposed to such an arrangement, but after much persuasion on his part, she finally consented to the infinite delight of her husband. Now with her love for the theater came also the desire to adorn her person. True, her costumes remained as before, simple and in the most correct taste, but she soon began to ornament her ears with huge rhinestones which glittered and sparkled like dill diamonds. Around her neck she wore strings of false pearls and on her arms bracelets of imitation gold. Her husband frequently demonstrated her with her, saying, My dear, as you cannot afford to buy real diamonds, you ought to appear adorned with your beauty and modesty alone, which are the rarest ornaments of your sex. But she would smile sweetly and say, What can I do? I am so fond of jewelry. It is my only weakness. 
We cannot change our natures. Then she would roll the pearl necklaces around her fingers and hold up the bright gems for her husband's admiration, gently coaxing him. Look, are they not lovely? One would swear they were real. Monsieur Lanton would then answer smilingly, You have bohemian taste, my dear. Often, of an evening, when they were enjoying a tete-a-tete by the fireside she would place on the tea table, the leather box containing the trash, as Monsieur Lantin called it, and would examine the false gems with a passionate attention, as though they were in some way connected with a deep and secret joy. She often insisted on passing a necklace around her husband's neck, and laughing heartily would exclaim, How droll you look! Then she would throw herself into his arms and kiss him affectionately. One evening in winter, she attended the opera, and on her return was chilled through and through. The next morning she coughed, and eight days later she died of inflammation of the lungs. Monsieur Lantin's despair was so great that his hair became white in one month. He wept unceasingly, his heart was torn with grief, his mind was haunted by remembrance, the smile, the voice, was by the very charm of his beautiful dead wife. Time the healer did not assuage the grief. Often, during the office hours, while his colleagues were discussing the topics of the day, his eyes would suddenly fill with tears, and he would give vent to his grief in heart-rending sobs. Everything in his wife's room remained as before her disease, and here he was owned to seclude himself daily and think of her who had been his treasure, the joy of his existence. But life soon became a struggle. His income, which in the hands of his wife had covered all household expenses, was now no longer sufficient for his own immediate wants, and he wondered how she could have managed to buy such excellent wines and such rare delicacies, things which he could no longer procure with his modest resources. He incurred some debts and soon reduced to absolute poverty. One morning found himself, without a cent in his pocket, resolved to sell something, and immediately the thought occurred to him of disposing of his wife's paste jewels. He cherished in his heart a sort of rancor against the false gems. They had always irritated him in the past, and the very sight of them spoiled somewhat the memory of his lost earning. To the lazy days of her life, she had continued to make her purchases, bringing home new gems almost every evening. He decided to sell heavy necklace which he seemed to prefer, and which he thought ought to be worth about six or seven francs, for although paste it was nevertheless of very fine workmanship. He put it in his pocket and started out in search of a jeweler's shop. He entered the first one he saw, feeling little ashamed to expose his misery and also to offer such worthless articles for sale. Sir, he said to the merchant, I'd like to know what this is worth. The man took the necklace, examined it, called his clerk and made some remarks in an undertone. 
Then he put the ornament back on the counter and looked at it from a distance to judge for the effect. Monsieur Lantern was annoyed by all this detail and was on the point of saying, Oh, I know well enough it is not worth anything. When the jeweler said, Sir, that necklace is worth twelve to fifteen thousand francs, but I could not buy it unless you tell me whence it comes. The widower opened his eyes wide and remained gaping, not comprehending the merchant's meaning. Finally he stammered, You say, are you sure? The other replied dryly, You can search elsewhere and see if you can offer more. I consider it worth 15,000 at most. Come back here if you cannot do better. Monsieur Lanton, beside himself with astonishment, took up the necklace and left the store. He wished time for reflection. Once outside, he felt inclined to laugh and said to himself, The fool, had I only taken him at his word, the jeweler cannot distinguish real diamonds from the paste. A few minutes after, he entered another store in Rue des Pikes. As soon as the proprietor glanced at the necklace, he cried out, Ah, probably, I know it well, it was bought here. Monsieur Lantin was disturbed and asked, How much is it worth? Well, I sold it for 20,000 francs. I am willing to take it back for 18,000. When you inform me, according to a legal formality, how it comes to be in your position. This time, Monsieur Lantin was dumbfounded, he replied. But, but, examine it well, until this moment I was under the impression it was paced, said the jeweler. What is your name, sir? Lantern, I am in the employ of Minister of Interior. I live at number 16, Rue des Martyrs. The merchant looked through his books, found the entry and said, That necklace was sent to Madame Lantern's address, 16 Rue des Martyrs, July 20, 1876. The two men looked at each other's eyes and the widower, speechless with astonishment, the jeweler scenting a thief. The latter broke the silence by saying, Will you leave the necklace for 24 hours? I will give you a receipt. Suddenly answered Monsieur Lanton hastily. Then putting a ticket in his pocket, he left the store. He wandered aimlessly through the streets, his mind in a state of dreadful confusion. He tried to reason to understand. He could not afford to purchase such a costly ornament. Certainly not. But it must have been a present. A present. A present from whom? Why was it given her? He stopped and remained standing in the middle of the street. A horrible doubt entered his mind. She? Then all the gems must have been presents, too. The owl seemed to tremble beneath him. The tree before him was falling, throwing up his arms. He fell to the ground unconscious. He recovered his senses in a pharmacy, into which the passers-by had taken him and was then taken to his home. When he arrived, he shut himself up in his room and wept until nightfall. Finally, overcome with fatigue, he threw himself on the bed, where he passed an uneasy, restless night. The following morning, he arose and prepared to go to the office. It was hard to work after such a shock. He sent a letter to his employer requesting to be excused. Then he remembered that he had to return to the jewelers. He did not like the idea, but he could not leave the necklace with that man. So he dressed and went out. 
It was a lovely day. A clear blue sky smiled on the busy city below, and the men of leisure were strolling about their hands in their pockets. Observing them, Michel Lantin said to himself, The rich indeed are happy. With money it is possible to forget even the deepest sorrow. One can go where one can please, and in travel find the distraction which is the surest cure for grief. Oh, if I were only rich. He began to feel hungry, but his pocket was empty. He again remembered the necklace, 18,000 francs. 18,000 francs, what a sum. He soon arrived in the Rue des Pecs, opposite the Chollers. 18,000 francs. 20 times he resolved to go in, but shame kept him back. He was hungry, however, very hungry, and had not a cent in his pocket. He decided quickly to run across the street in order to have time for reflection and enter the store. The proprietor immediately came forward and politely offered him a chair. The clerks glanced at him knowingly. I have made inquiries, Monsieur Lanton, said the jeweler, and if you are still resolved to dispose of the gems, I am ready to pay you the price I offer. Certainly, sir, stammered Monsieur Lanton. Whereupon the proprietor took from a door 18,000 bills, counted and handed them to Monsieur Lanton, who signed a receipt and with a trembling hand put the money in his pocket. As he was about to leave, he turned toward the merchant, who still wore the same knowing smile and lowering his eyes said, I have, I have other gems which I have received from the same source. Will you buy them also? The merchant bowed, subtly yes. Monsieur Lanton said gravely, I will bring them to you an hour later, he returned with the gems. The large diamond earrings were worth 20,000 francs, the bracelets 35,000, rings 16,000, a set of emeralds, sapphires 14,000, a gold chain with a solitaire pendant 40,000, making a sum of 143,000 francs, the jeweler remarked jokingly. There was a person who invested all her earnings in special stones. Monsieur Lanton replied seriously, it is only another way of investing one's money. The day he launched at Vicien's and drank wine worth 20 francs a bottle. Then he hired a carriage and made a tour of boy. And as he scanned the various turnouts with contemptuous air, he could hardly refrain from crying out to the occupants, I too am rich and worth 200,000 francs. Suddenly he thought of the employer. He drove up to the office and entered gaily, sir. I have come to resign my position. I just inherited 300,000 francs. He shook his head with his former colleagues and confided to him some of the projects for the future and he went off to dine at Café Anglais. He seated beside himself, a gentleman of aristocratic bearing, and during the meal informed the latter confidentially that he had just inherited a fortune of 4,000 francs. For the first time in his life, he was not bored at the theatre and spent the remainder of the night in a gay frolic. Six months afterwards, he married again. His second wife was a very virtuous woman with a violent temper. She caused him much sorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, hope you have enjoyed the story of Gede Mopasa.